Hello and welcome to the What's Cooking podcast. This is our Adjusting With mini-series where we're chatting to some of our past guests to hear updates on how their businesses are going and highlight any new initiatives that they might be working on at the moment. They'll be talking us through how they're adapting to challenges and generally keeping going during this time. If you want to find out more about these guests that we're chatting to, and we definitely recommend you do that, you can scroll back through our archive and find whole episodes with these guests. You can learn about their businesses and what they're about. We really hope you enjoy these mini episodes and that you find some kind of comfort or inspiration in what they have to say. Hey, uh. How's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah, good thing. Whereabouts are you? Are you in London? I'm I'm in London, yeah. I'm I'm at my in my apartment in Hackney right now. Have you um have you been finding yourself on quite a lot of these conference calls? Yes. Sort of, yeah. If you are. <laughs> how are you finding? Yeah. yeah, it's fine. I mean, to be honest, I um up until lockdown, I I've, I'm not a fan of digital communication. I'm very much a face-to-face communicator. Um, but I've found it Zoom to be my best friend during this time, like from from business calls to um, team meetings to I've been doing this sort of thing called Jar Talk, which is on our Instagram live. And it's talking with different people that we've met throughout the years in the industry, like Deliciously Ella and Alex Cretina and Douglas McMaster and some people in food and drinks. So um, that's been really interesting, having like conversations and sitting down with people over the phone. Um, so I've sort of got a I've got the flow going now, but it took some time to get used to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How's Jar? What's the kind of update with it? Yeah. Um, so Jar, when was it that we spoke last? I mean, it must have been a year ago, year and a half ago, almost something yeah, like that. So. It's quite a while yeah. ago. Cool. Um, so yeah, we uh, we sold a majority share of Jar to, um, as I mentioned, you know, ages ago, um, Duval Mortgat, which is a Belgian family-run brewery um, that was started in 1871. And um, they've only really invested in alcohol in the past, and we were their first investment into non-alcohol. Um, they'd seen a lot of movement in that space and a lot of success around the world with their respective breweries. And so JAR was something um, that sort of fit that perfectly for them. So we've been working with them, uh, and the goal was always to increase distribution throughout Europe. Um, in addition to using their sort of production expertise to scale up our operation. And towards the end of 2019, we started construction on a new brewery in Belgium at one of their, um, one of their brewing facilities called Leafman's. Leafman's is one of the oldest beer breweries in the world, and they're famous for their sour beer, which is brewed in a very similar way to kombucha in that it uses wild bacteria and yeast. So it was sort of the perfect um, synergy to have a kombucha facility at a sour beer facility. And so construction began on that. And then that actually went live uh, at the beginning of February. So they had already started brewing and we were decommissioning our space in Hackney Wick. And, you know, obviously, you know, at the end of February, that's when things got real serious. Um, So we had actually shut down production in London right before things kicked off and opened up in Belgium. So we sort of had this buffer. um, And also the space in Belgium is quite big. So uh, and it's a lot of it's automated, so you don't need so many people there. Um, so people can keep a safe distance and continue brewing during this time. So from a production point of view, we've been we've been really fortunate to have um, moved things when we did. 
So that means that we did shut down all of our production here in the UK. Uh, it just, it didn't make sense for us to continue brewing in the space that we were brewing in. As fun as it was, the story's great. That's our origin story. Um, but we were brewing in a nightclub and uh, it was a pain in the ass and we could never get the proper certification that we needed in order to launch in supermarkets and uh, in sort of national retail outlets. So, so that was part of it. And then also the lease on that building um, goes up in probably like six to eight months. So we were going to have to get out of there anyways. And um, so it sort of all worked out for the better. I mean, of course, like this is a crazy time for everybody. Um, I, I'm sure you guys know people that have been personally affected by this. I certainly do. And it's, you know, it, a situation like this really makes you focus on what's important. So um, personally, I've been much more connected with my friends and family than ever before and just making sure that everyone's okay. And, um, but in terms of business, yeah, it's, it's, it's had a significant impact on us um, sales-wise as it has many other businesses. We're just trying to roll with the punches. The majority of our team's on furlough right now. Um, so I'm doing the sales, I'm doing the marketing. Um, I'm also assisting Duval, our partners, with the marketing for their brands, Vedette and also Duval. Doing some logistics, doing some credit control. <laughs> um, all the things I did in the early days, going back to my roots, um, which in a way is really nice, reconnecting with people um, and uh, and just, you know, I mean, not that I was ever that far away from the brand, but there are a lot of people doing different things and now I'm sort of doing a lot of it myself, which is um, just kind of nice in a way. That's really interesting. And I think um, that's one of the things about when you have your own business, you know, most people do start by doing absolutely everything themselves. And so it's actually, it's kind of a, an interesting adjustment, I think at the moment for a lot of people, because mm -hmm. it's kind of familiar territory to find yourself pulled in every direction and, having to kind of hold down the fort on your own. And I saw your um, cans on your Instagram, yes. which looked amazing, really cool. Um, what I was gonna ask is, was how's that kind of, when were they sort of launched or I'm not sure if they're kind of fully launched yet or what the story is. I was wondering if that had, had there'd been any impact. Yeah, so we've been trying to launch cans for like a year and a half. Um, and what we found is kombucha is, uh, because it has wild bacteria and yeast in it, um, most of the canning companies in the UK refuse to can it because most of them work with beer producers. And if um, acetobacter, which is the main active um, bacterial compound found in kombucha, gets inside a beer, it will completely destroy it. So they didn't want to take any risk. So it was sort of on the back burner. And um, through uh, different contacts in Europe, we found a canning partner in, in Bruges, in Belgium, of all places, separate from our relationship with Duval. Um, and so they did sort of a, a small run. And we got, I mean, a small run, uh, 2,000 cases of, uh, of cans done. And just to test out the market and see how they go, they're definitely at a lower price point. Um, we did our raspberry flavor because that's sort of the, the most um approachable for people who haven't had kombucha before but we're certainly always going to champion the bottles the bottles for us are sort of the the classic jar um style from design to um to flavor and, and format that's sort of our that's always been sort of our our hero um uh image in terms of the brand so the cans are just sort of a slightly cheaper slightly more approachable option for for places that don't take glass and also places that um 
maybe want to offer kombucha at a lower price point. So we've just tentatively launched those on our website. We've just agreed with FarmDrop to launch them on their site as well. Um, we're talking to Amazon and we're, we're talking to a bunch of people about them. Planet Organic is going to launch them as well. So we're just going to seed the market, see how they go, see if people like them, and then, uh, and then look to, to launch the whole range potentially at some point, um, either later in the year or early next year. That sounds cool. I mean, people will definitely like them. It's a good flavor. It's a winner. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. And um, I mean, obviously, they're infinitely recyclable. So from a yeah. sustainability point of view, they're so much better. They weigh less, less transport cost. Um, it's a win-win. But, you know, the bottle is, is it's kind of a different experience. It's more premium, you know, and so we never want to let go of that because, you know, the bottles sort of are, are what really made Jar um, a brand that people knew in the first place. So, yeah. And so is production still, still a, it's, you're still continuing everything in Belgium at the moment? You haven't had to stop at all? No, we haven't. Um, although last week we did, we did have to do um, one last bottling run in Hackney Wick because before, before the pandemic hit, we still had some kombucha left in one of our tanks. But because it's chilled down to like one degree, it stops the fermentation. So we had to empty that tank, get it in the bottle real quick. So that was our final our final run at our facility in Hackney Wick, but the, the brewery in, in Belgium has been up and running since February, definitely at lower, um, lower volumes though, just to, you know, the demand is obviously a lot, a lot slower right now because a lot of our business was through the on-trade. So bars, restaurants, cafes, um, places that are now closed. So yeah, it, I mean, for, for that side of the industry, it's been devastating, the hospitality side of the industry. And there's so many stockists of ours that are just really struggling right now. And so um, we really feel for them. And it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a really difficult time. And trying to imagine how that's going to bounce back um, over the next few months is pretty tough. But, but yeah, production-wise, everything's still continuing in Belgium, but just at a slower pace until things pick up again. I was going to say, have you been in contact with some of your stockists, people that you're working with, and you, you know, you're doing special edition and collaborations with some of them, mm -hmm. kind of contacting them and seeing how they're getting on? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the collaborations that we've done have been for Silo, um, the restaurant above Crate Brewery, um, run by Doug, Doug McMaster, and uh, Tayer Elementary, um, the bar run by Alex Cretina and Monica Sa, who, um, who, you know, Alex was, was the uh, bartender at the Artesian for, for many years and is regarded as one of the best bartenders in the world. They have seen a huge hit. They've had to shut down their, you know, their business that they've been working years on. Um, and so we were doing a hemp kombucha for them and we were doing a fig leaf kombucha for Silo. So yeah, I mean, checking in with them, they're, they're, still doing the best they can but um until further notice they're they're shut down um as are you know many other people in the i mean as i mentioned the hospitality industry specifically pubs and 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 bars cocktail bars restaurants and then of course cafes so um yeah i mean this is like an unprecedented time nobody ever could have prepared for this and nobody really knows what the outcome is going to be we don't really have firm dates on when places will be able to open again so it's, yeah, it's really difficult. And, you know, we're trying to support people as much as possible and take back stock that people don't need. If they had an excess of jar, we buy it back, we reimburse them. 
Um, same goes for some of our wholesalers who are really struggling right now because a lot of their business was in the on-trade. So again, taking back stock from them just to sort of free them up a bit. Um, and yeah, just trying to support people in whatever way we can right now. Yeah, that's great. And how are you doing yeah. personally? Are you kind of, we've talked before on your episode about kind of meditation and structures that you have in place to help you. Are you still able mm-hmm. to do those? For sure. Yeah, strangely, it's, um, I'm, and I want to say this just from a personal perspective, because I don't, like, I, I, I have none of my family members or close friends have been affected health-wise from the pandemic, but, um, and I really feel for those who have, because it's, it's very, unless you see it firsthand, it's difficult sometimes to empathize with what's happening. It's crazy what's happening, and so many people are suffering. Um, but I think also this time is giving those who are healthy a time to really examine certain structures in their lives, um, the way that they were, you know, living their lives, whether that's, um, you know, being too distracted, going out too much, whatever it is, like, literally, when you're stuck in your four walls of your house, there's really nowhere to go. And um, you can either distract from like what's coming up, or you can go deeper into it. And I, I found it to be a really interesting experience in terms of mindfulness and increasing my own awareness through meditation. I'm doing daily breath work. I'm doing yoga. Um, I'm keeping fit. I'm not drinking. Um, I found, or I actively chose, you know what, during this lockdown, I'm not going to drink any alcohol and see how I feel. And I feel amazing. Um, and just being with my partner and our dog. And it's just in a way been one of the most nourishing experiences I've had um, in a very long time. But I think a lot of care and attention has to go into that. And, you know, that doesn't mean that at points you don't go stir crazy and you're like, ah, I don't have a garden. I like I'm stuck in this tiny apartment. But um, of course, it's important to keep in touch with people and and keep your keep your mind active, you know, and be creative and and try and use this time as a time to grow. You know, if you have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. How about you guys? How are you guys doing? I think we feel the same. We just feel fortunate to be feeling healthy and yeah, to be able to have, like you said, it's an opportunity to do those things that you otherwise haven't made time for previously. And the occasional Netflix binge, uh, Tiger King. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty intense. <laughs> Apart from Tiger King, what have you been watching? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, hold on, let me ask my partner. What have we been watching lately? <laughs> we watched Top Gun for the first. I've never seen Top Gun. We watched that the other night. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We've been watching Father Ted and Faulty Towers, like fully. I'd I'd never seen <laughs> Faulty amazing. Towers. Oh my God. Faulty oh Towers man. is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Father Ted is just nice, easy sort of lunchtime watching. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you, sometimes I think at the moment that's what that's what we need is just say like easy fun silly yeah. stuff yeah. yeah for sure we've also been doing a lot of reading actually um at the moment we're reading this philosophy book by a guy named Daniel Klein which um he's uh, an American philosopher but he he's pulled together all these concepts from his like like from his teenage years through university and then into his adult life um spanning across all different types of philosophy and and like infusing each of their stories and descriptions with like humor and wit and personal experience and it's called um 
uh, I found the meaning of life, but then they changed it. Oh, no, each time I find the meaning of life, they change it. It's so good. It's so, so good. I just had no idea about a lot of these philosophies. Like, I mean, it's really like stimulated my mind in a way where I'm like, I don't know shit. This is crazy. <laughs> like, it's so easy to get stuck in your way of perceiving reality and whatever, whatever your, you know, assumptions are about all of this. And um, it's amazing to have that challenged, you know, by like really, really intelligent people who spent their whole lives studying these things and understand that all of these, there's some validity to every single perspective. I mean, it's really crazy. Every time I find the meaning of life, they change it. It brings it about, um, I've definitely heard it as a reference before. It's, fun. it's really fun though. It's worth reading. Any other cool. book recommendations? There's another book that I'm reading uh, called, which is especially relevant for now. It's called um, A Liberated Mind. And it's by a guy um, named Stephen Hayes, Dr. Stephen Hayes. And he did a TED talk um, about emotional flexibility, which is really interesting and especially relevant for now. And it's about essentially whenever someone's going through a tough time, like it's the idea of being able to look at whatever it is you're feeling with empathy and compassion and not running from or numbing like when we're upset when we're angry when we're triggered by something but instead like literally embracing it and um using that as a life philosophy it's fascinating he created a a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy which is just a, a really beautiful concept so yeah look into that too he's got a great ted talk out there there's, you know, something that's been coming up lately for me is like the paralysis of choice. And, um, you know, I think something that's interesting about right now is that we don't have much choice in terms of what we can do. We sort of have to be here and now, you know, we can, of course, distract ourselves, but like so many things have been taken away from us that in a way we're just like, we're in this place where we just don't have the option the options that we had previously, but then I turn on Netflix and like spend a half hour trying to decide what to watch and then just settle on like Peep Show or Faulty Towers. <laughs> oh, I've seen all these a million times, but I'm just gonna do it again. But this concept of the paralysis of choice that we have so many options available to us all the time that it's like, I think it's a big source of distress and unhappiness for people because like, oh, I could have this, but that could be a little bit better, but this could be better. I think that's a really interesting concept, you know, especially, yeah. especially in the world of drinks, you know, making a soft drink and then going to Whole Foods and seeing like, oh my God, there's like 500 different types of soft drinks here. How the hell am I ever going to choose what to drink? You know, I don't know. It's just one I've been floating around. I don't know about you guys. And I guess it depends where you shop, but where I am, there's just one big supermarket mm -hmm. and I always find that kind of paralysis of choice thing where you stand in front of, you know, 20 different olive oils or whatever it is. And I find now because I'm so aware that there's a queue outside and, you know, you kind of want to get in and out quite quickly. I kind of buy the exact, I buy the same brand. I buy the same things every week when I go in mm. and it has made it a much simpler exercise. I'm not really swayed by special offers anymore. I'm not really swayed mm -hmm. by new appearances. I'm literally like, cool, I know that brand, I trust them, I know what they're about, I'm just gonna get mm -hmm. that. And it'll be interesting, I think, moving forward, how that 
translates when things sort of get back to whatever normal will be because and we've talked about this before it's kind of the brands and the companies with an ethos or a story that resonates with you maybe it will more and more be that you just keep your loyalty um mm -hmm. with people who are doing things how sort of in a way that that you um find affinity with for sure i think that's a really interesting concept and actually one supermarket chain that cottoned onto that idea early on was little there's a reason why little is so successful and it's because they have their own brand and then they have one brand uh, that's not theirs for almost every product and people are like great it's that one or that one i'll go for the cheaper one or i'll go for the more expensive one and it makes things so much more streamlined and so much more efficient and i think people like that uh i, I apparently like the 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 total number of options that are optimal for the human brain is three and so it's actually it, anything above that is overwhelming for us and it actually causes cognitive dissonance and so in a way it's like oh yeah this is it, you know when when you don't have the option to have all of these things like for instance we're buying avocado right now having things delivered but most things are out of stock so it's like yeah we'll just get that 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 that's the only option so great i don't have to worry about what i should have gotten or what i could have gotten you know there's something nice about that and um simplifying things you know decluttering the minimalist sort of approach to living i think is sort of becoming more of the norm now yeah and being happy that that is an option rather than being concerned that there needs to be more like being happy to be able to actually get it rather than mm. oh i need this in 10 different flavors or totally <laughs> yeah i mean it's easy to say that now and like i'm like the biggest champion of this whole thing but the moment lockdown ends it's like boom out and back to normal again i'm sure <laughs> and that we were kind of thinking we we were yeah hypothesizing whether there will be an, a long-term effect on behavior and whether people will be more appreciative about spending time with friends and family and like you said you really know what's important and you mm. did before but this just really reminds you i don't know the human brain kind of adapts so quickly that i do mm. fear that people will just go back to it straight away they'll mm. be back into it but I don't know, we'll have to see. It's difficult to know. I, there, there'll certainly be a glow for a while once everyone gets to see each other again, spend time together, and there'll be this appreciation for like, wow, like it's incredible to be able to see my friends. Like I love them so much. It's incredible to, you know, swim in the ocean. It's incredible to walk through central London. And it's incredible just to sit in a restaurant, the simplicity of all those things. But human nature is such that we'll just just go back to our ways and start taking things for granted again. Unless, you know, hopefully, I, what I hope is that this time has allowed some people to really slow down and like become more appreciative and go inward rather than just drink, you know, two bottles of wine every Friday night, <laughs> which I know a lot, of, a lot of people I know are doing, um, which is also fine, you know, there's yeah. no judgment there. And uh, you know, we're all dealing with this in a different way, so. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I guess, uh, our plans were sort of to um, gain listings in supermarkets by the end of the year. And it um, doesn't look like that's going to happen in the UK, but we've gotten some, um, we were in conversations and have like agreed pricing and stuff with some supermarkets in Belgium and potentially in France. So we'll be launching in Europe end of this year, primarily in Belgium 
France and potentially the Netherlands. So, you know, the kombucha market here in the UK is, is quite saturated at the moment. There's so many brands. I probably mentioned this when we spoke last, but when we started, we were the fourth brand. We were the first in London, but we were the fourth brand in the UK. And now there's like 35 to 40 different brands. So, you know, there, I mean, talk about paralysis of choice. Like, you know, it's crazy. Um, there's so many brands at, you know, different price points. There's a lot of big players in the market now. So we realize going further afield into Europe where the market's not so um, well-defined yet and being first movers there was, was probably a good idea. And so that's sort of our goal to, um, to share jar with, with people across Europe, but we'll see how that goes given the current situation. Yeah. But that's, that's the goal. But I think that's it. Yeah. I don't have any other news right now, apart from the, the jar talk stuff that I'm doing every week. And uh, if anyone's listening to this, uh, that needs help with kombucha brewing, uh, whether at home or on a commercial scale, just send me a message on our Instagram or email me, which Adam at jarkombucha.com. And I'm very much uh, on board with the idea of um, sort of free flow of information, like open source information. That's something that's really annoyed me. The, the, um, the monetizing of consulting work for commercial kombucha production. So, um, so yeah, I'm basically doing pro bono kombucha consulting, just ad hoc. But uh, so if anybody needs any help, give me a shout. And your recipe is on your website, is it? Is that right? Yeah, it's on our it's on our website. We've also um, I posted on our uh, on our social media on our Instagram a video of, of me doing my kombucha workshop, of which I used to do across London, which I you know I'm not able to do now. But I just did the full the full form version, um, so people can go and learn how to make it at home just from our Instagram page. And then on a commercial level. I'm doing like um, maybe fortnightly um, kombucha brewing Q and A's. So like if people want to come on board and they have a brewery anywhere in the world, I try and do it at a time where most people can log in. And then I, I post them as well on our Instagram page. So if anybody has any commercial brewing questions, which the kombucha industry is so secretive about, it's such, excuse my language, it's such bullshit that people are like, no, I can't share this information. But we're like trying to get people in the mode of like, like craft beer, like coffee, you, you can make your own kombucha, um, you know, with your own culture and stuff, even if you're using the same techniques as other people, but they're entirely different brews. So, um, so yeah, the idea of that is to just share and open this community up to as many people as possible. So there's not really any secrecy involved in it. I love that. And cause you can, you can like more than one brand or product, you know, you can mm -hmm. enjoy a jar and you can enjoy some wild fizz or, totally i've got some wild fizz in my fridge right now it's one of my favorites yeah they're great and i would encourage people to make it or have a go at making it because in terms of fermentation i think it's one of the kind of easiest to do at home in that for sure. it doesn't take too much attention and you can leave it for a few days you know a few days too early or too late isn't gonna it's not gonna be a disaster so you can leave it for a few months and it's not going to go off. It'll, it'll essentially become apple cider vinegar and then you can have little shots of it in the morning and get the same benefits. So kombucha is pretty hearty in that sense. I mean, it's never goes off. It just becomes vinegar. That's, uh, that's I'll, the I'll do the vinegar trick. Cause like, yeah, occasionally I leave mine too long and I think, Oh, I don't, I like it sour, but sometimes I think, is this too sour? Is this going to ruin my, <laughs> my teeth? Yeah. Yeah. You do have to be careful. Um, I mean, just like in coffee or wine, like if you drink too much of it and you know, your teeth can, you can like, you know, mess up the enamel on your teeth. Thankfully 
thankfully I'm good for now. We'll see what happens in the next five, 10 years. <laughs> well, by the way, last time we met, you gave us so much lovely stuff. You gave us the new raspberry flavor and all the yeah. original. And you gave us a tote bag, which is my most used. Yes. Bag. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you use it. Yeah, those we specifically made those because we were so tired of like shitty little tote bags and yeah. we're like people need like a tote bag they can actually put their groceries in. <laughs> you can put you know? stuff in it. Totally. It's heavy duty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a it's from a company called um, Ramp, R A M P. If you ever need any tote bags, hit up Ramp. There you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great to hear about what you're up to, and it's exciting. Yeah, thanks that for having me. It was great to catch up. Alrighty. Yeah, keep in touch. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Adam.